Episode three. Faith. 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 So one thing I just wanted to say, super cool how many people have watched. Like I'm actually kind of blown away with how many people have been watching, messaging, um, sharing their thoughts and insights. Like I was not expecting a third of what we got and the fact that we had so many people listening. Like I said at the beginning of last time, a lot of pressure, but the reality is it's just conversations. So but. Yeah, I don't I think it's just subject matter i think if we uh i think this is just what people like actually care about when you get down to it right i don't know why people are afraid to have these conversations like in social settings for me there's nothing sweeter than a i know a dinner with someone that you just met and talking about things of eternity yeah Yeah. Uh, I, i really don't see a problem with it like chatting politics religion that kind of stuff doesn't bug me it's it's like you really get to know a person when you do that so yeah like yeah I don't know, like when, when I listen to Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson, for example, these are the kind of conversations I look for in those podcasts, Yeah, you know, and Joe Rogan interviews comedians, not that there's anything wrong with comedy, but it's just like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd rather be doing something else. But when we're talking about things that trigger an emotional response or, response. yeah, or are relating to like our tribes and what we believe, I think people are very interested in that. Not to say that we're doing it very well, but yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, just authentic conversations. There's something about authenticity that people are drawn to, I think. So, yeah. Anyways. And it's, uh, I, I felt that it depends on who I talk to. So there are some people who I talk to that I want to get to know them and I want to probe, but for whatever reason, we built like this wall in our culture. And maybe it's because of the stigma typically behind it of, I can't ask you about what you believe or what your thoughts are on tax policies. Like, I don't know. I think it's just because it is like a core belief. People think you're attacking them personally, but like, I'm just wanting to know, like, I just want to know why you think the way that you do, what makes you think that way? Cause maybe I'm missing something, right? Like maybe yeah. I'm not seeing a full picture. And so, yeah, but it's been, it's been really cool to see what other people think about what, how we think. I mean, it does take some vulnerability to have conversations like yes. this, right? Because it's things that really matter in your life that you kind of hold dear to your heart. Yeah. Um, and you could be wrong about it, right? <laughs> sure. I, I think <laughs> less, hard. yeah, I think less about that. I think more about like what people will think about me and like judge me or treat me differently because of the way that I believe. And so, yeah. When I have these conversations, when, when, you know, I publicly put these things out that my relationship with the church is much different than it was growing up. It's not like traditional orthodox yeah. way of life, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very easy to sit on the other, on the other end and just like immediately make judgments about a person, not necessarily mm-hmm. like bad judgments, but, you know, we were talking about this a little bit last night when when people claim that they like leave the church, the next response is, well, how can I get them back into the church? Right. And you immediately make judgments. Like if they leave the church, then like, what's the first thing you think? Oh, they must not believe in God anymore. Or, Oh, they're not a Christian anymore. Right. Or, Oh, they must be justifying some kind of behavior, like drinking alcohol or they want to smoke cigarettes. And so they're leaving the church. Right. We make up judgments about, 
that person based on belief systems. And so it takes a, a bit of vulnerability to talk about these things. Yeah. Well, I, it's also interesting. I remember on my mission, there was this guy that I taught that was a, he was kind of a interesting dude. He was this guy that the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, maybe he was right. Like he had this belief that one in 10 people are like psychopaths. And yeah, like, he might be bought me far off, bro. <laughs> you never know now. Yeah. But, um, he, he said that I've never met like a, a Catholic that's like stopped going to church that has totally rebelled against Catholicism or like, there's like this weird thing that happens when people, not all people, obviously, but like a lot of people, when they leave, they start doing things that they weren't able weren't able to do before and as almost like I, I don't maybe because they want to or maybe because they've never tried it and they they're interested in doing it like i'm sure there's a variety of reasons but like i wonder if it is just because of the culture that they were brought up in that they want to act out like i know that there are many people that go to church every time every week they believe in god and they don't act as a lot of people that have quote unquote left the church act and it's a very interesting situation being a member of the church because it's like i want to connect with them and i want to connect with them personally and see why they why they quote unquote left and i like we were talking last night like leaving the church may mean that you're not going to church anymore but for a lot of people it means a lot more and as someone that's in the church it's hard to gauge like where they're at are you, are you not believing in God anymore? Or do you believe in God? You just don't believe in the construct of the LDS faith. Like that's a totally different conversation to go down, like a totally different path to talk to that person. And it's sad that we can't even, for a lot of people, you can't even talk about it. Like you yeah, can't even conversate because it's so heated or it's so emotional. And I get why. It's, it's well, it's hard. because people think that they're being judged. People who leave the church, when, mm -hmm. when you ask, like, well, why did you leave? It's like the defensive, like, I did something wrong. And, yeah, yeah I, I understand from both sides. But, like, I, I say I would, I, I align with you. Like, I'm just very interested yeah. in why. Um, so, like, with your faith and your story, I know that many people may wonder, like, wh where you stand, which is so stupid <laughs> but like where you stand with the church of jesus christ of Latter-day saints and like your beliefs and like maybe your story arc like what how you grew up i know you went on a mission obviously what happened then and what he came home like where are you at yeah yeah people want to know if i'm drinking right yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day they want to know like what my lifestyle is like yeah how many tattoos i have yeah uh, if i swear um no, I do not drink. <laughs> I will never drink alcohol. And not even just for religious reasons. As a side note, me and Lisa were actually talking about this last night. I just don't get alcohol in general. Mm -hmm. Religion aside, yeah. like I tell that to people all the time. Like five years ago or eight years, if you would have asked me, like, hey, do you drink? You're like, no. Why? Well, we believe in the word of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Now my response would be a little bit different. Yeah. It would be, well, I don't think that it's good for anyone and mm -hmm. it just doesn't interest me. And I, that's, I just prefer to like watch what I put in my body. So right. 
Yeah. So faith, faith journey, like where, where am I at? I think that's a good place to start because part of the reason we wanted to have this podcast was to have conversations that were maybe unorthodox or a little bit out of the norm. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I said that I love talking to you is because it's so easy to push back on your ideas um, and for you to push back on mine. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of ideas now that probably aren't mainstream Mormon thinking. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I don't know where, where do you want to start? Well, um, let's start when you were a teenager. Like what, I guess, when did you start believing in God and why? And um, how did that affect your decisions growing up? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, there's a lot to unpack there. That's a loaded question. Did I start question. believing in God? I, I actually like, now that you put me on the spot, I don't even, I don't think I could point to a moment right now where I can just definitively say, yep, that was a moment where I believed in God. I didn't have a like, crazy spiritual experience with the Book of Mormon. I didn't have a crazy spiritual experience with God. Mm -hmm. I would say I had many spiritual experiences in my life that kind of like built my faith and made me wonder like, oh, this feels different, you know? Mm -hmm. But anyways, I grew up in... The Mormon Church. My parents were very, very active Mormons. My family never missed church. We went to church every Sunday. And for those of you that know me, they know that soccer is like the biggest part of my life, or it was growing up. Mm -hmm. And I never played soccer on Sunday growing up. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I didn't swear, didn't participate in all those things that like typical teenagers participate in. I never smoked, I never drank. Um, may have swore a little bit, <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah. but my point in saying yeah. all of this is I lived a very black and white life when it came to religion and spirituality. This is either true or it's not. This is the way to live. And this is the way not to live. There was no gray in my life. And, um, you know, looking back, I struggled with scrupulosity. And I had never heard of scrupulosity until like two or three years ago. Um, I came across an article that the church had done on scrupulosity. There's actually a lot of, of topics and essays on scrupulosity and on LDS.org or whatever we call it, the church stuff.com. And scrupulosity is a disorder, an anxiety disorder, it's an OCD disorder where, well, I might as well just like read the exact definition because I pulled it up on Google. So let me get, get to it. Scrupulosity is a subtype of obsessive compulsive disorder involving religious or moral obsessions. Scrupulous individuals are overly concerned that something they thought or did might be a sin or other violation of religion or moral doctrine. That was my entire life. And just to kind of give you an example of what that meant for me, if I were to say shit, for example, if I were to cuss, I was wrapped with guilt. Mm. I just, I, I couldn't fathom that a God up there was happy with the decision that I made to say shit and to not control my temper. And so there were some days, for example, when I would go, like I had a soccer game on Saturday. And if I fought with my brothers and my sisters, I would have these obsessive thoughts in my mind, like, 
oh, God is going to punish me because mm-hmm. I was mean to my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to have a good game. Now, were you taught that? Were you, was that something that was... No, not, not explicitly taught. Definitely not. But I think, you know, I'm not a psychologist by any means, so I, yeah. I haven't unpacked this totally, but... I, th- I think it comes down to like the black and white nature of the way that I lived. Um, there's sin and then there's righteousness. And for the longest time, I, I viewed God as like the punisher, if you will. Like if you, if you make a sin, you have to repent yeah. in order to be worthy to receive his spirit again. Right? right. Like that's what we were taught. And I, I took it to extremes. It was like an obsession. It was like, how righteous can I be mm-hmm. so that I can, always have the spirit with me and if i make one mistake one error i had those thoughts persist always like i'm not worthy i'm not worthy i'm not worthy and you have to repent and you have to repent and you have to repent and it got so bad that like you know i i had made a couple of questionable decisions in my teenage years in college and in order to serve a two-year mormon mission you have to be considered worthy and clean and Mm -hmm. living uh, a temple standard life Mm -hmm. You have to be chaste. You have to be going to church regularly, right? All those things. And I had made some mistakes. And so no matter how many times I went to the bishop and confessed, I still felt like, well, did I tell him everything? Or do I have to go back and tell him this little detail? Yeah. Or this little detail. Oh, two two days later, I forgot about this. Yeah. Did I intentionally hold that back because I was just embarrassed? And do I need to go tell him? Right. And like, I, I had a panic attack one night because it got so bad and I wish it was just like an obsessive, it was compulsion. It was like, I have to go and I have to go and confess in order to be worthy inside of God. Right. Um, so anyways, I grew up with that my entire life and, um, there came a time during COVID. So that's, that's kind of like some context. I'll, I'll come back to that. Yeah. So fast forward to COVID, COVID happens, things change in the world, you know, church gets shut, gets shut down, people stop going to church and you start having in-home church. And I think for a lot of people, they started to like really question, well, oh, I, I kind of feel the same that I felt when I was going to church and mm-hmm. we're having church in our living room. Yeah. You know, what is the point of going to church when I can get this feeling in my living room, right? And so maybe it caused other people to question, but, um, a couple of my family members had, you know, decided to go a different direction with their faith mm-hmm. and it kind of shocked me to my core. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, that was during COVID. Yeah. It started during COVID. And, uh, so these conversations started to happen around then. And, um, anyways, those members of my family, I'm obviously very close to my family, right? Yeah. More so than any of my friends. And I, I kind of observed them. And one of the things that I noticed, something that I notice about a lot of people when they leave the church, something that people say when they leave the church is, I am a lot happier now that I've left the church than I was when I was in the church. Mm-hmm. And what's the typical Mormon response to that? Mm. Well... Depends who you ask. I mean, just just be real. Like, generally, what, right. what would people say to someone who left the church that says, I'm happier yeah. outside of the church than I was in? A response that I hate, but when people say is they're not feeling real happiness. It's right. not real joy. Wickedness was never happiness, right? It's yeah. not real joy. It's temporary happiness. Yeah. 
And I subscribed to that way of thinking for a long time as a missionary, right? Like I heard of people all like we, our job was to go and activate members, bring them back to church. Mm. They're unhappy. They just don't know it. <laughs> they're not, they're not actually joyful. Like just mm. imagine how much joy they would experience if they were active members of the church. Mm. And I subscribed to that. Mm. And it wasn't until some family members that I was extremely close with decided that they were going to go a different faith path mm. that I, I, I started to realize like, wow, there is a, a genuine change in these people. Mm -hmm. Something is, is literally changed. Yeah. They are, they're actually happier, right. happier. Mm -hmm. They feel more joy in their life. And to me, that was, I actually even remember having this conversation with one of my good friends, Josh, down in St. George. I was telling him of this experience and I was like, dude, I am so confused right now mm -hmm. because certain family members have quote unquote, this is how I would describe it, left the church and yeah. really leave the church, but they left the church and they're happier. Mm -hmm. How is this possible? Yeah. And of course the typical response is, well, like, is it, are they really happy? Like is mm -hmm. it eternal joy? Like, or, yeah. So I could not, I didn't know what to make of that. It's mm -hmm. like, why, why is this conflict happening in my mind? They shouldn't be this happy. There shouldn't be like a, a, a peace about them. And there really was, there, there honestly was truly. And so that's when I started to ask the questions like, what does God really care most about? Have we been focused on things in our life that maybe he is giving less weight to, but we are giving more weight to? that is causing this unhappiness when we're in the church. Mm -hmm. And so what I see from a lot of people is when, when they leave the church, not only do they unfortunately toss the baby out with the bath water, mm -hmm. but the bath water should be tossed out in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So when you toss the bath water out and you really focus on what's most important, it's going to clear up some things for you and, and bring clarity. So that was initially like, the experience that I had that made me start to like really question what is, what is the role of organized religion supposed to play in our exaltation or in this eternal relationship with God? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if, if that's where you were going with this or if you want me to continue, but well, no, I think that's great context for, for me. I mean, we've had this kind of conversation before, but for others listening, because I know a lot of people grew up with us going to church together and, having this perception of maybe who we were and who we are. And, and so I think that's helpful for a lot of people. I think um, that response when people say, you know, they can't be happy. It's like, bull, of course they can be happy. Like, what are you talking about? Are you saying that like 7 billion people on the planet aren't happy? <laughs> like, come on guys. Like, yeah, they may be missing amazing parts that of the gospel that could bring joy in their life. But to say that people can't be happy is a, an insult to people's intelligence. Like, come on guys, like, let's be real. Like, of course people can live in a way, not in accordance to what we believe and find joy and happiness in their lives. So like, so I but like, I, but I, like cut the, cut the superficial stuff. Like, of course people can be happy, but like eternal happiness. Let's, let's just get to the, the meat of it. Can people be eternally happy without the organization of the church? And that's, that's the question that I'm asking here is we've got the church, we've got organized religion. I see a purpose to it. I believe in its purpose as a, as a, as a believer in Christ. I don't see why anyone would want to do away with it. You know, if you believe in Christ and you're a truth seeker, go find it anywhere that you can. 
Fair enough. Philosophically speaking, is it possible to be eternally, or not eternally happy, is it possible to be happy in the same way that those who will be happy in the celestial kingdom will be? Those with, living with God and those... Right. Yeah. Well, so I guess if you're defining eternally happy as living with God again for forever, is that how you define yeah. eternally happy? Well, then we need to figure out... Maybe what, not with God, but like God. Like God. So being like God. Okay. Living like God. Living like God. So we would first need to understand what, who is God, what is he like, and how, does, how would he live? Right? Like, that's the main objective. If we want to be with him and live like him, be with him again, we need to know who he is, what he stands for, and what he would want all of us to do. So, which, which I would argue is the purpose of this life. It, I agree, 100%. And so that then breaks down into, okay, how do I find God? And I think, so maybe a little bit of my faith story. Uh, so... One of the cool things about Dallin is Dallin has always, not always, but he has been, whether in person or not, a part of some of my most spiritual moments in my life. So when I was a freshman in high school, it was kind of a hard time for me personally. And there was a time where I didn't really have a ton of friends and I just was really alone and depressed and um, I had a few friends, which I am grateful that I had, but I felt alone. And I remember praying more fervently than I've ever prayed before for help and for a friend. And literally, I'm not kidding, literally like the next week, Dallin and his family moved in to my ward, like the next week. And my ward is in my church. And so... The psych ward. The psych ward. <laughs> no, no, not the psych ward. <laughs> um, but he, his family moved into the area and this is where our friendship began. And he was, this is weird, but I had a really, really spiritual, powerful dream that I believe was, some would call it a vision. It sounds kind of silly when I say it like that, but like the most vivid of vivid dreams that I've ever had in my entire life. And the most, probably one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had in my entire life, Down was in it. And uh, Down's been in a lot of other answered prayers. So the very first time I started believing, uh, believing in God really was due to Down and his family moving into the war. And so uh, my faith has been up and down throughout my life, but that was like the first moment where I saw him answer it, answer a prayer really really special experience um but i would say that like what i've known to be true or what i've come to believe has been a very gradual process um prayer has been something that though i've received a lot of answers i've somewhat struggled it seems like my i joke with my wife i don't do it as much because i believe the lord has humbled me but i whenever my wife asked for something she would get it like it was pretty crazy how often she would like i would be i would specifically say can you please pray for this thing and she would pray for it and it would happen like it was the so i i had a lot more faith in her prayers than i did in my prayers but 
I've, I think I've worked through that, but, um, I've come to believe in Jesus Christ being my savior through countless experiences that I've had in my life. And, uh, particularly in my mission, like it's been, it's undeniable how many times I've seen the power of Christ come in my life. And I guess where my testimonies began to culminate and come to a head was, uh, through teaching people. So I served my mission in, uh, Utah. And so many people jokes, like, what are you doing in Utah? Like there's no one to teach in Utah. And for those that don't know, Utah is one of the most, uh, the word, but you teach the most lessons per week in Utah, English speaking than almost any other state or mission in the world. So I got to teach a lot, which is really cool. And I got to teach a lot of people that were a lot smarter than me. You know, people that were former bishops of our church that were no longer members, that were former temple presidents uh, and no longer members. And it was really intimidating. And so my faith was really pushed in those moments and but i saw the power that christ can bring into people's lives and the way that i saw that power was through actions that my our church teaches like reading the scriptures and fervently praying and asking god for help and attending church like changed people like and i it's hard to say whether or not it's because they're just going to church or if they're going to our church. Like it's hard to pinpoint that. But one thing I can say helped people was reading the Book of Mormon. And for those that don't know, the Book of Mormon is a scripture that we believe is a testament of Jesus Christ. And it's brought me closer to Christ than, than almost anything else in this world, like getting to know him, um, along with the Bible, like getting to know who he is, why um, he did what he did and his personal relationship with all of us. And so like reading that book and reading the Bible, I got to know my savior personally. And honestly, I think that's what brings the most joy is coming to know who saved you and who can save you every day. And that's, I think the joy that a lot of people miss when they quote unquote leave the church. Cause unfortunately a lot of people, when they do leave the church, they stop believing in Jesus because the church is attached to Jesus. But I think that's just so sad. Like it is, it's, it's very, very sad. Yeah. It's one thing that I am just very adamantly fighting against. Yeah. Is this perception that if you leave the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, that you have to leave the book of Mormon, that you have to leave Joseph Smith, that you have to leave all of the good things that the church has to offer, that you have to leave Jesus Christ, you have to leave God. And this is, this is, this is what we talked about last night. This, I really believe that for one reason or another, this is going back to the principle of like black and white. There's so much black and white in the church. It's this, it's, it's true or it's not true, right? And, and that's how we, we taught the gospel on our missions is like the yeah. book of Mormon is the cornerstone of our religion. Mm-hmm. Prophets have said it before. Yeah. And I'm going to get tons of comments on about whatever I'm about to say on Facebook, Instagram. Well, yeah, it is. It's the cornerstone of our religion. If it's true, then Joseph Smith was a prophet. Mm-hmm. If Joseph Smith was a prophet, then he was given the priesthood. And if he was given the priesthood, this is the true church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
I'm like, good for you. Like that's, you've read preach my gospel. You know exactly how to teach exactly what we've been taught to teach forever. But like, think about it. Think about it. Does it have to be all or nothing? Mm-hmm. And is that a good way at looking at this? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that it is. I, I think it's a very bad way of, think, of thinking about it. And I think when we teach in black and white, it doesn't leave room for a lot of doubt or uncertainty when faith crises do happen. Do you believe that there's any black and white in anything? Like Jesus? Black and white. And def- Savior and... Well, yeah, of course. I, I, like I said, I believe in absolute truth. I believe that there's eternal truth out there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, within organized religion, it's there's a lot of gray, and there's a lot of things that aren't black and white or necessarily true, mm-hmm. but are cultural or that are necessary for the time being, or that are given to us as a tool. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I guess my what I'm getting at, my point is, I now believe that it is possible to believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet, to believe the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, and to not necessarily have to subscribe to the way of thinking that if you do not go and get sealed in the temple, that you will not make it to the celestial kingdom. To live with God again. Be yeah, I can. I question that. And the reason I question that is because I question what God really cares most about and why he has given us the temple and why he has given us these ordinances that we go and participate in to make covenants. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it is possible to believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet, read the Book of Mormon, and have disagreements with some of the things that are taught <laughs> in uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it's it's a healthy way to look at it as just black and white. So yeah. I, I don't know what you think about that. but Well, I think that I, I agree with some of what you're saying, and I don't agree with other parts. I think that unfortunately within the church, and I think within a lot of organized religions, there are a lot of things that are taught that are more like guidelines to lead you to to God, but they are taught as if they're uh, commandments or as if that is what God said, right? Like, like dressing modestly per se, or um, not dating before a certain age, or I can't think of any others, but there are certain like guidelines to help you get to God or to help protect you. But people taught him like when we were kids, as if like, if you do this, you're, you know, you're sinning and God is going to remember that and you're hurting Jesus. And it's just kind of like a, not like a really healthy way to view life. And it's not, it's not pointing you to Christ. You're looking at the guidelines instead of Christ, right? Like we focus too much on these and set the end goal. So I do agree that like there are a lot of things that have been taught that were taught as black and white when they probably weren't and shouldn't have been. But I do think that there are some black and white things that it's just really hard to get around it. Like I like believing that God is my loving heavenly father, like starting at the very top. Like, I guess you could, I guess you could say that 
there are a lot of people that view God differently, that he's not necessarily our father or we're like not really in his image, but he's this amorphous, all powerful, all omniscient. So, but Okay, so let's, let's, let's start with the Sabbath day, for example. Let's just go to one of the comments that we received on a post about my example, fishing with my son versus going to church. Yeah. In, in God's eyes, in God's eyes is what, let's, let's just say, for sake of example, I decide not to go to church next week. Instead, I've been out of town all week. I haven't seen my family. My son comes to me and says, hey, dad, I missed you. Let's go fishing. I take my son fishing instead of go to church. Mm-hmm. I break my covenants with God. Well, I think I would say, why can't you do both? Why can't you go to church and then go fishing? Well, let's, let's just say that I can't. Okay, well, 9 a.m. church. There, there's some kind of activity going on, okay? There, let's just say, for sake of argument, that I can't do both. I have to pick. If you have to pick. Well, that's, I mean, if you have to pick, I don't know. I, I, that's a hard situation because I don't know when that would be real. Like, there are typically a lot of choices leading up. Okay, to well, I'll just make the example more poignant then. I don't think that I get quality time with my family when I'm at church. Yeah. During sacrament meeting, I'm not talking with my wife. I'm not connecting. We are listening to people bear their testimonies about something um maybe listening to a a talk maybe someone put some thought into it maybe there's something to be learned i think it's a good thing by the way i'm I'm not i would never say that going to church is a bad thing Mm -hmm. uh then we go to second hour and a lot of the times we we're split up right i see value in that but Mm -hmm. like i don't don't get a ton of like face time with my family so i wake up one morning 9 a.m man i i just want to go to brunch instead i want to go be with my family and then, you know what? We want to go on a hike. We want to go on a hike. We want to go take them to a waterfall. We want to go be out in God's creation. It's a beautiful day. Is there something wrong with me doing that, do you think? Or is it a, a principle of good, better, best? And you would just say the best thing to do is go to church. I would say, I well, you read my mind with the good, better, best. I think that the best would be, even though it's hard or difficult, go to church so that you can partake in the sacrament and at least try to remember what you have done and what you want to do better okay. the following week. Okay, great. So let me just stop you right there. Partake of the sacraments. What is the purpose of partaking the sacrament? To remember Christ and remember what he's done and to renew our covenants. covenants. What are the covenants that we've made? To be obedient, to always remember him, to take his name upon us. Okay. At all times. So I view it this way disagreed i know i know you'll disagree actually i know a lot of people will disagree with me i feel like my priorities in my life have shifted my fam, my god my relationship with god it, it comes first i believe that right yeah mm-hmm. my relationship with my family comes next i believe the family unit is the most important thing that god has given us in this life yeah hands down agreed more important than even if priesthood authority exists and i'm totally wrong about that I think it's more important than priesthood authority. I think it's more important than anything because in the family unit, we are taught what it's like to be a father and a mother. And we are taught the principle of unconditional love. It's charity. Yeah. I was talking to, I think you about this the other day. 
when I had my son, I felt a kind of love that I had never, ever experienced or felt in my entire life, mm -hmm. ever. Right. I did nothing to develop it. I did nothing to earn it. Mm -hmm. It was given to me as a gift. Yeah. That's literally the definition of charity. The purest form of love. I get to experience it as a father. Yeah. It's a Amazing. gift. It's yeah. a divine role that is bestowed upon us by God saying, hey, here, here is what you're going to be doing in the eternities. Mm -hmm. Get used to this. Mm -hmm. And it's where I feel the most joy, the most peace. Mm -hmm. It's where I feel the most fulfillment. I love it. Mm -hmm. So my priority is my family. And so when I've made covenants with God, if my covenants have been made with him to help me become like him, mm -hmm. and he has given me this unit where I can learn to become like him, my time and attention, my focus is going to be on my family. Right. So when I go and I spend time with my family hiking, versus let's say I decide not to go to church one, one Sunday. I believe I'm doing just as much building the kingdom of God by spending time with my family and hiking with them on that day than I would be in church. That's how I view it. Truly, that's how I view it. Now, people are going to come back and say, well, you know, if God is in the center of your home, like it will fail and, and you'll never. But I'm, I'm not saying that God is going to be the center of my home. We are centering around eternal principles about things that matter. Mm -hmm. And does God want us to go to church? Yes. Are there better things that I think that I can be doing in my life sometimes than go to church? Yes. Mm -hmm. I believe that now. If you would have asked me that six years ago, I would have said, no, I have to be in a pew partaking of this ordinance because it's a saving ordinance. And there's something about this ordinance that's going to change me. Mm -hmm. and make me become like God. And now I sit back and I'm like, well, really? Is it the actual ritual? Mm -hmm. Or is it the things that we're supposed to be learning and promising within that ritual? And if I'm out with my family or with my son developing relationships, even with friends, for example, doing things in like a well-intentioned manner, I really think that that's the same as building the kingdom of God within the organization of the confines of the church. Yeah. So I guess my question for you would be, well, first I agree. <laughs> I agree that what you're doing and for the sake of what you're doing, building your family, like connecting with them, being the father role, being the provider protector, like that, that is what you're, we're supposed to be doing. Spiritual leader. Spiritual leader. Like that is integral to the responsibility God has given you. So that's true. It's not, I wouldn't say it's integral. It, it, it's it. Oh, okay. I was like, what do you mean? Of course it is, but it is. It's, yeah. it's it. I, yeah, I can't think your of, role. Yeah. I can't think of any other purpose. Right. Yeah. Well, we can get into that later, but it, let's just say that it is extremely, extremely important. And it's like, probably, I mean, Chris, no, talk to me about it. like, what, what is more important than a family? What will you be doing in the eternities? Well, I'd say the, what's most important with your, what's more important than your family is your relationship with Christ. I'd say that's actually the most important thing. Because you can have a great relationship with your family, but hate Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. That's a good point. That's fair. So, And I, and I, I did preface that. My relationship with God is, yeah, like, it, it does have to be centered. I agree with that. So, okay, fair enough. Good point. Yeah. So, um, I would say that how is going to if well i guess it's kind of two questions how is going to church like not enabling you to do those other things like how is that stopping you oh dude okay great so i'm glad you asked me this <laughs> i'm glad 
Because how many hours do bishops and state presidents and people serving in the church spend focusing on other people's families Yeah, when they don't even have their own houses in order to quote Jordan Peterson? Yeah. That's a big problem in my, my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. So to answer your question, like, how does this, how does this not allow you to focus on your family? Well, I'll tell you, like my, I never saw my dad on Sundays when he was in the church calling. Yeah. Never saw him. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are the same way. And, and the classic response is, well, we leave our families so the other families can be together forever. You know, like that's, that's typical, like missionary, like we leave our families for two years so others can spend mm-hmm. an eternity with theirs. And yeah. there's something like noble about that. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if you do it at the neglect of your family, you're not keeping your covenants. Mm-hmm. You're not. Yeah. Even if you're a, a, a temple recommend holder and you're participating in all the saving ordinances and you don't have a good relationship with your son or your spouse, and it's not a God relationship and you're not practicing the things that you're being taught in, in church within the family unit. That's not keeping your covenants. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I agree. So that's one example. So when you ask me like, how does the church prevent, how could it prevent? I'm not saying that it does always with everyone, Yeah. but there are multiple examples where I would say so much time and attention and efforts and sacrifices made for the church that we aren't focused on, we're not prioritizing what is most important. Mm-hmm. And to me, what is most important is that relationship with God and trying to become like him. Mm-hmm. And the way that I'm going to become like him is through my family, right? through my wife. Yeah. I mean, I guess my, my response to that, because my dad was extremely busy too. I literally don't remember a time when he wasn't in a bishopric or state presidency, which is... For those that don't know, it's just, there's a bishop and he's the kind of the person that oversees your congregation. And then a state president, there's multiple congregations in an area and he oversees that. And so there's typically a presidency, like the president and two counselors and the bishop and two counselors. So my dad was always in a bishopric my entire life, honestly. But like, I think at least from my perspective, what I saw Maybe this is a perspective thing. I don't know. But I saw how it made my dad a better person. Like it made me look up to him even more. Like he never complained about it. He never like murmured about it. And that might just be my dad thing. But like I well, was I wonder, so impressed with like him. I'm like, man, he's so busy. And then he comes home and he helps me with my homework for three hours. Like he was just gone yeah. from six in the morning. I'm not saying it can't be done. But well, yeah, I know you're not saying that. Yeah, yeah. But like, and I'm also, I see how it can take away people from their families and it can build a, a resentment or enmity between the family and maybe the calling or the church itself. Yeah. Because it's like, my dad is freaking young men's president and he spends more time with Dallin than he does with me, you know, like, cause he's doing all these campouts all the time and I don't see him cause I'm not in his age group. Like, yeah, I can totally see why that would happen. And, but I think it really just depends on, on I guess, how it's impacting your family personally. If your family is saying they're, they're missing you or like you're not present enough, or if it's taking you away from them, it's hurting your relationships, then yeah, I think that you should talk to your bishop or whatever and say, hey, this is, I'm trying here, but this is hurting my family and yeah. I need maybe less responsibility or yeah, I get what you're saying. Listen, the overall point is seven years ago, 
if you would have asked me, is it better to go to church than to take your son fishing? I would have said, absolutely. You shouldn't be going fishing with your son on Sunday. You should be in church in a pew. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that there is a way to keep your covenants with God that you've made with God. Yeah. Ones that he cares about. Right. And still not be in a pew every single Sunday. Does that mean that I'm not going to go to church? No, we've gone to church for six weeks in a row. There are some weeks where we decide not to go and we have something else that has come up mm -hmm. that we decide, Hey, we're going to go do this instead. And it just didn't work out. Um, but I, th I think that there's a way to keep your covenants and not go to church. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, I know people are going to say, well, what about what it says in the scriptures with and doctrine and covenants where it says on the Sabbath day, this is the day I want you to take upon you my holy sacrament. And then in the book of Mormon, it says to take the sacrament. And then in the new Testament, it says to take the sacrament. And then like in the old Testament, it references these rituals that we need to do on the Sabbath day. Like, how do you get around that? Well, first of all, I'm not saying never go to church. I know you're not. Well, I know. I know you're not saying that. So I'm saying think, I don't think you don't have to go every week to be a covenant-keeping person with the Lord. Like, I get that. But yeah. if if someone were to say and adamantly respond, I'm never going to church again. I'm mm -hmm. never going to go to church again. Yeah. I would find it a little bit harder to believe that they're in the right mindset to keep their covenants with God because yeah. any any time that you're in a rebellious with with a rebellious attitude, mm -hmm. that like a, a rebellious heart cannot be aligned with God. Absolutely. I I believe that wholeheartedly, right? So if you're doing it out of rebellion, that's that's your first problem. Mm -hmm. But but the question is like how often? I guess, right? Is it weekly? Mm -hmm. Is it monthly? Is it yearly? And and I think that it comes down to you and God. And yeah. uh, if if the the ritual and the ordinance is meant to serve as a reminder, I mean, you can go off the recommendations of general authorities and like what is generally prescribed, or you can go directly to the source. And if God were to come down and tell me, hey, you need to get your but into church every single Sunday, or you need to do it every single day, mm -hmm. then I'd probably have to obey, right? Because he, he yeah. obviously knows better. I just don't think that he's saying that. I think that the culture of the church has like, we've been taught a way to live for generations and it's just persisted. It's now become like the traditions of our fathers. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I, I don't, I don't think that we should discard church. I don't think we should discard organized religion. I think we should have a different relationship with it and like mm -hmm. really question what relationship it's supposed to play in our lives individually yeah. and not necessarily let the prophet dictate everything that you do in your life, but instead mm -hmm. reprioritize, go directly to God, say, Hey, like, what's the purpose of this? Yeah. And then use the prophetic counsel and the scriptures and all these other tools that he's given us to kind of like check and balance your answers, you know, yeah. line it up and just make sure that you're doing the right thing. Right. But this idea that it's black and white, that you either go to church or you don't go to church. And if you don't go to church, you're not keeping your covenants. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. And not out of convenience. It's because I just don't believe it's true. Yeah. If it were true and someone could convince me and the Holy Ghost impressed it upon my heart and God came down, I would do it. I know you would. Totally. I know. For sure. <laughs> so I just want to be clear about this like rebellious attitude. Anything that we do in rebellion, it's 
you're you're off base. You're it's wrong. Pride, right? Yeah, it's pride. You're off base. But I don't see that. I don't see that in my life, and I don't see that with a lot of people actually. I don't see it as rebellious. Some people definitely do it out of rebellion. Like, oh, I never got to smoke when I was a teenager, so mm-hmm. I want to do it. You know, right? Yeah. Because the church doesn't control me. Yeah. Twelve yeah. men don't control me. Yeah. Give me a break. Right. Yeah. Well, I think so. One thing that we've talked about, and I know that you, I was going to ask it as a question, but I already know your answer. So I can, I, I was going to ask it, but like, I think one thing that members of the church ought to do better, and this is Chris Isaac beliefs, is if someone doesn't go to church, like with you, I've learned that Dallin, what you care most about aside from your family is your relationship with God. So like if you're going to church or if you're not going to church, I know that you're caring about that. And to me, that's like, that gives me peace, right? Like I, that's what I care about, right? Like, like that podcast that we sent out for everyone, like, what is your foundation? Are you seeking to build your foundation with Christ or are you just like, you don't care, you're individualist. So one thing that we ought to do better is like, if someone doesn't come or if someone may be struggling, but you know that they are like trying their best to be close to Christ, like, don't judge them for not coming like don't and, and leave them alone too yeah like, like unless they come to you for help specifically and you know them i mean i guess there's a case for missionary work and you know you need to be there for each other it's hard because a lot of people don't express why they're not coming and yeah it's not their our business all the time well but... yeah it's it's not necessarily business and i actually take that back don't leave them alone i i wish like what's more awkward about like I haven't, there was a, a time where, you know, in the summer we don't go to church a lot because we're out camping, we're out exploring the woods. Like we, we would just rather be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> missionaries show up on our door all the time. And people, <laughs> I said them. <laughs> people show up at my door all the time. Like, Hey, brother Cutler, can we meet with you? And yeah. Like, we want to well, get convenient. You know? I, we want to give you a church calling now. And I'm like, guys, I, I know under, what you're doing. I was a missionary. I did yeah. this. I know you think I'm, inactive Mm -hmm. i know you want to reactivate me and it's just so awkward just ask me ask me hey why haven't you been to church recently Mm -hmm. and let me tell you and let's have a discussion about that so that's number one number two we talked about this yesterday i think this whole idea of like when someone leaves the church or hasn't been to church in a long time or all of a sudden you notice that he's cussing a little bit more so you're or has a tattoo and shows up with a tattoo and Mm -hmm. you're like oh shoot yeah is he active yeah how am i gonna ask him (laughs) yeah but when when that happens, the first response of every active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is, how do we get them back to the church? Not every, but a lot. <laughs> 90% of the yeah. church body is like, we got to reactivate. We got to get them on calling. We got to get them back into the church. Mm-hmm. Isn't that such They're a struggling with something? Yeah. Isn't that such an interesting response? It's, it's out of good nature. I'm not mm-hmm. faulting people for that. That's what they've been taught their whole life. But like, to me, that just is, it's a sign that we, our priorities are mixed up. Mm-hmm. The first question you should be asking if someone, if you're really concerned about someone mm-hmm. is, well, let's start with the foundation. Number mm-hmm. one, do you believe in God anymore? Mm-hmm. They answer yes. Okay, cool. Do you believe in Jesus anymore? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, cool. Then your first priority should be, how can I help them get closer to Christ? Mm-hmm. Not how can I bring them back to church? Yeah. And maybe they're already getting closer to Christ by leaving church. Maybe you have to leave the church for Don't a Don't assign them the prescription. Yeah. Yeah, man. 
I think it's so backwards. I think it's so silly. And I, I was, I, I was the same person, you know, yeah. like I did that for many years, but once these members of my family left the church and I realized, whoa, they're actually happier. This is good for them. They're healthier. God loves them. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus Christ. Guess what? I truly believe that God's going to make it right with them somehow, whether they join the church again in this life or the next or never join it again. And we're just surprised to learn that the church was just given to us as a resource and God doesn't really care. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I believe that God will make it right because they're well-intentioned. They're not doing it out of rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important for people to, to like we posted in our, our uh, post this week, you know, our, our goal in life is to get closer to Christ. And as we get closer to Christ, we become more tolerant of others, more loving towards their struggles. We empathize with them more. Like that's what Christ asked us to do is to mourn those that mourn, you know, be there for people that are like struggling in life in general and don't view them as a project, view them as a brother, view them as a sister and love them. And I think a lot of people, and I justifiably so use the the church as a vehicle to bring Christ into their lives because for a lot of people, that is the vehicle that brings Christ into their lives. And that's the only way that they know how to bring Christ. Which is sad. Right. Yeah. Which is sad. Like, Christ is around us all the time if we turn to him, right? Like he's there when we need him, when we call for him. So in our interactions with other people, interactions with other people, like there are many ways for Christ to speak to us. Christ has spoken to me through you. Yeah. He's spoken to me. Unfortunately, man. Still. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. But through my other friends, through my brother, through my parents, through my wife, you know, like, like we can't think, we can't always think that the vehicle is the only way that Christ can be brought to people. Right? Well, what is the way? By loving them. By Who by, is the way? Well, Christ is the way. Christ is the way, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. We've talked about this several point, or several times in this podcast is mm-hmm. the vehicle or the vessel that is holding the, the truth, the way, mm-hmm. Jesus, the, the essence is what matters the most. That's what God wants us to get. Yeah. Now, the necessity of said vehicle is something that we disagree on. And I'm just saying, don't throw church at people right away. Like, that's just not, it's your, I like that. I actually like that. We're, we're diagnosing them and prescripting the, the cure right away. That's not our role. I wouldn't even say the church is a cure in many instances. I think that well, it's. I, I think it can be for a lot of people, but I, I think it's wrong for us to always. The assume. church will, I take that back. The church is never the cure. Jesus is well, the Jesus cure. Is, yeah. But a lot of times people find Jesus. Well, what are those, what are those things? Uh, the church can be the syringe that you put Jesus into, you know? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, is, Jesus is, yeah. Jesus is the medicine. And <laughs> yeah. And the, the church syringe. is the syringe. <laughs> yeah. Is the syringe true? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, this is kind of getting long, I think. We're 55. Not bad. Um, but I think that that's something that people ought to remember. And I, I will say for someone that does believe that the church is Christ's vehicle and it's not just any vehicle, but it's his. I mean, you, you, I think you, I would say it's Christ's church too. I just want to call it the true church. Okay. Ooh. But it almost sounds like an oxymoron, right? Like it's like, how can it be Christ's church? And well, listen, true? okay. I know we're getting over time. <laughs> My last point. So the true church if the church is true, it's all or nothing. It goes back to this mindset of black and white. Yeah. 
it either it, it either is true or it isn't. I don't subscribe to that because the church itself is a changing, progressing thing. And the nature of truth is eternal and unchanging. Mm-hmm. It cannot be true in the sense of eternal and unchanging. Mm-hmm. And so I view it literally as a vessel. So I would never call it the true church. And when we call it the true church, we're persisting in this mindset that it is all or nothing. And uh, I just don't think that's a healthy way to view it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to read something. <laughs> One second. I misspelled library. So I know we're getting late. You taking a salma? No. We didn't even go through that today. That was something that we wanted to do, but. We didn't even really talk a whole lot about faith. Um, well, I think that I think these scriptures and doctrine and covenants are relevant. So it's doctrine and covenants one. <laughs> doctrine and covenants one, and the arm of the Lord shall be revealed, and the day cometh that they will they who will not hear the voice of the Lord, neither the voice of his servants, neither give heed to the words of the prophets. And apostles shall be cut off from among the people, for they have strayed from mine ordinances and have broken mine everlasting covenant. They seek not the Lord to establish his righteousness, but every man walketh in his own way after the image of his own God, whose image is in the likeness of the world, whose substance is that of an idol, which waxeth old and shall perish in Babylon, even Babylon the great, which shall fall. Now, there is one more, um, which, man, that's a heavy, that's a heavy thing. Um, so, you know, this is supposedly Christ speaking, and this is and him saying, and those, and also those to whom these commandments were given might have the power to lay the foundation of this church and to bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness. The only true and living and living, which I think is the word that you used, living church upon the face of the whole earth, which with which I, the Lord, am well pleased, speaking unto the church collectively and not individually, which I think is also kind of an interesting caveat. So, I mean, it's I, I, it's hard for me to, because I believe in a lot of things you're saying, but it's re- like that verse right there is really hard for me to get away. It's really hard. Well, it's, I, I understand. I could even like, let, let me just paint this in another light. If, if he's using the word true as in, if you're using the word true as in this is Christ's church, I have no problem saying that it, it is Christ's church. I really believe that it's Christ's church. You can find Christ in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we use the word in, in our language, this is true, it leaves no room for error, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. So it's like this, it's this weird place that we're in. Like, I understand what you are saying when you say that this is the true church. It's Christ church. Yeah. But saying it's true has so many other implications. And I think that's like half the, half the reason why people leave the church is they realize that, oh, man, Joseph Smith made a lot of big mistakes. And he did. I believe that. Yeah, and, oh, man, Blacks in the Priesthood. Maybe that wasn't our rightest moment you know like maybe prophets are able to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you find out that 
there's some weird things going on with the Book of Mormon being translated or the Book of Abraham. And it's like, oh. All the simple things become more complicated. Because it's no longer black and white. true or it, it was black and white. And now it's just easy. If one, if you can disprove one thing, the whole thing falls mm-hmm. and it, it shouldn't have to be that way. Well, I agree, right? Like if you, if you find a fault in something, it doesn't mean like you're kind of being a hypocrite when you're saying, well, I believed it was all true. And now I believe it's all false. Like that's like, you're doing the, your belief system actually hasn't changed. You're being just as faithful to the other, like to the opposite now, right? Like your faith is now perfect in the other thing. It was in this thing. And now you've just totally switched to the other side. But I agree that like yeah, I agree what you're truth, like, yeah, like I, I see what you're saying. So I don't know. We can dive more into it next time, but I Listen, think- I'm, I'm going to stick with what I'm saying. The church is not true. It's not true. And, but it's and, Christ church. And the reason that I say that is because it shocks the system. It's like, huh? what? It's not true. What do you mean? Other color? It's not true. It's not eternal truth. It's not true in the sense that it is eternal and non ever it's, it, it will never change. It will change. It will continue to change. There are things that have been done in the church's history that were wrong. But Christ does say, he does not say that it won't change. And by the way, Joseph Smith may have had an interpretation. It doesn't necessarily mean to me that Jesus literally said this word in English to Joseph Smith. When Joseph Smith had the revelation or talked to Jesus or whatever happened, I don't know yeah. how it happened. I don't know how it happened, but like God has to use imperfect language to communicate with us. He speaks according to our own language and according to our own understanding. Yeah. So just because Joseph Smith perceived it one way doesn't necessarily mean that that was meant in that, that specific way. Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're like not using the word living though, I think allows it yes. to grow and allows it for it to make mistakes and it still be true, not maybe in the eternal, never changing, but true in the sense that it is Christ church pointing towards the true North, right? It's pointing towards Christ. It, it leads you to the end goal. There are multiple ways that you can perceive a, a word. There's multiple definitions. Yeah. You can use it in different ways, right? Just because it was said doesn't mean that it was used in this, yeah, with this tone or with this meaning. Like yeah. a lot, a lot can change, right? And yeah. like we forget that when the prophets have these experiences and they write these experiences down, they're writing their interpretation their down, yeah. according to their own language and according to their understanding. So when people use, so like it, it almost feels like to me, like you you can't give in, say, true. Well, I, I think it's true, but just not I'm in the eternal. Sure. I don't. No, I, I don't think so at all. I think that, like we talked about last time, saying I know this church is true is just kind of like a cringe moment sometimes for oh. me. But like it's, I believe it is Christ's church. Yes. Yeah, so let's just let's just yeah. settle on that. It's Christ's church. We can mm-hmm. believe that. Yeah, and it's His church, and so you know, take that as you may. What does that mean to you? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. This is getting long, but yeah. this has been fun. It's been good. Yeah, it's so, been good. It's been good. Well, thanks for joining in, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.